a Radio 191 FM podcast. Mr. Speaker. That's right. It's time for a weekly roundup of politics. Joining me in the studio is Vivian from the Young Nats and John Moore from, from the Radio the 1 studio. <laughs> uh, kia ora team. How are we both? Good. Kia ora koutou. Not too bad. Um, one moment. Just really, really get that in your face. Let's try that, John. Okay, Kiora Koto, That's everyone. much better. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, team, uh, have we all recovered from Hyde Street and ready to talk some politics? Only just, I think. Um, I've sort of spent the weekend recovering or helping other people recover. I missed out on tickets this year, which is a real bugger, but that's okay. Um, so, yeah, rested and rearing to go. Peachy Keen, Jelly Bean. Uh, Shane Jones. What the F is up with Shane Jones? Well, he, could he be New Zealand's most hated politician? New Zealand's allegedly most corrupt politician? Does he get thought of enough to be the most hated and corrupt? Well, I was reading an article that year. I'm he, amazed he, at his at his behaviour. He, like... he gets constant uh, press coverage. All right, okay. Uh, and I guess he's done enough controversial things that he gets the interviews and he, he puts himself in the limelight. That's yeah, exactly, that's true. That's exactly what he wants. Good point, yeah. Um, so the... Who is Shane Jones, first of all? So yeah. he's a, a New Zealand first politician. Previously, he was a member of the Labour Party and a uh, cabinet minister under the Clark government. Um, he resigned from Labour, got a cushy job in the Pacific from the National Party at the time, um, then yeah. went on to join New Zealand first. Uh, and he's projected as being New Zealand first next leader after Winston Peters resigns. Uh, he currently ha- uh, has a few portfolios as minister, and what he, um, most importantly, he's in charge of regional development mm. uh, and handing out, I think it's like a billion dollar fund. Yeah, billion it? dollars, handing it out to his mates essentially. That's, his, his that's the argument. Um, that's, that's that's the that's argument. That's the that or handing it out to areas which is going to favour New Zealand First. And New Zealand First is very much got a strategy of trying to win the regional votes mm. now. Uh, and so this is the perfect portfolio. Certainly made for, perfect portfolio for a New Zealand First an Minister. An impact in the far north of last yeah. election. Mm. He's really, really pushing for the regions that aren't Otago or Southland. But um, <laughs> as long as the regions, I guess, Northland, Waikato or the West Coast, I think he's really pumping money in. And what you've seen is just constant conflicts of interest with the mm. people he's been dealing with. And and what is yeah. with uh, he's the transport minister and he's uh, waving even the the com- the connection seems convoluted. It's his great 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 grandmother's great 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 grandson. Are they just adding greats in there to make it seem more convoluted? Or I think he added in the greats, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't push this issue being fraught because of uh, them being related. Yeah, no, way. no, that's, that's uh, not... Uh, uh, whether they're friends and how close they are personally, I don't know. But, but the point is that uh, the Ministry of Transport has wanted to revoke the licence or has revoked the licence of this Northland logging truck company. Mm. Uh, it's going to go before the courts and Shane Jones, as Minister, has chosen to step in and basically back this logging mm. truck company um, and, and has admitted to talking to MOT 
Ministry of Transport officials about this particular case. So uh, in the general way that cabinet ministers are meant to operate, this is all a no-no. Mm. However, uh, I would say this is, is a yes-yes in terms of uh, Shane Jones pre- presenting himself as a maverick MP who doesn't stick to the rules, who sticks up for the people, who yeah, sticks up for business, who sticks up for jobs his in the, defense is the, in jobs, the provinces. Right? That he's and doing it, it to matter. protect the jobs in, in Northland. It doesn't matter if, if 90% of the population sees him as corrupt and beyond the pale. What he needs to do is appeal to that traditional uh, part of the electorate that would traditionally vote for New Zealand first. Uh, and at the moment, they're polling way below 5%, which mm. means they'd be wiped out in the next election. Same with the Greens, actually. They're yeah. polling below 5%. So they need someone like Shane Jones to to be that traditional populist rebel uh, politician on the surface mm. on the surface he's completely establishment in reality with all his connections business connections fisheries connections etc but in a Trump type way be the rebel be the maverick and get New Zealand first over that 5% or they're dead What does Uncle Winnie think of uh, this firebrand nipping at his heels? Well, I think he's um, almost chosen uh, Shane Jones to take over as the leader right. after he leaves um, there was an attempted um, removal of Ron Mark and putting Shane Jones as, as the deputy, mm. but the other MPs chose to have Fletcher Tubertow as opposed to Shane Jones, which was a wee bit of a would have given Winston a bit of a fright, I think, when it comes to sort of being able to just predict who's going to take over after he leaves. Mm. But I think um, it's not really doesn't matter what he thinks. I think the public, the only person in New Zealand first who's really got the profile, got the charisma, as annoying as he is, he is the one within their party who will be able to get them over that 5%. Yeah, and it's it's uh, frustrating. I mean, he's he's in the news for all the wrong reasons, yeah. but also he's uh, it seems from certainly from my point of view that he's the only person making waves currently. Yeah, yeah. He's going to chuck on a put New Zealand first um, head on and go out to the regions and say promise the world to them yeah. and people are going to love it they'll believe it and they'll forget about what he said but they'll remember hey that guy was pretty cool when it comes to voting mm. and that's what he I guess offers yeah, and although I don't like that type of uh, populist politics, I do have sympathy for the point of view that politicians should actually stand up to state bureaucrats and private companies a lot more. There's this whole idea that okay, the state's got its fingers at a whole lot of interests, including the majority shareholder in New Zealand uh, and all these ministries, and, and bureaucrats are pretty much left once the the guidelines have been set. Bureaucrats are pretty much left to do what they want. And Shane Jones has said, no, I've been voted in. None of you guys have been voted in. You're on your cushy $200,000, plus salaries. Uh, I'm going to be a voice of the people. If, if Air New Zealand's going to suddenly cut back a whole lot of um, routes, then I'm going to speak up against that, and I don't give a stuff mm. uh, if that's against uh, the protocol of a cabinet minister. If, 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 uh, if there's a risk of thousands of jobs being lost because their logging company is going to be deregistered, then I'm going to publicly um, rally behind that company. Now, why I have sympathy there is that, that that whole model that was created by the Fourth Labour government back in the 80s detaches a lot of, of what was... Um, politically run uh, affairs and detaches it from politics, whether that's pharmac, uh, with our medicine, whether yeah. that's with the uh, health boards, whether that's with Air New Zealand, that's a, a effectively run as a private company but majority shareholder. And I think 
you know, not even the Greens really have the guts to to question that protocol and that that framework that's existed since the 80s, whereas New Zealand First is, mm. and the media doesn't like it because it's not what ministers are meant to do. The uh, other political parties don't like it, but. Um, it's a break from orthodox politics since the 80s, but maybe it's uh, it's good that, that at least one politician's doing it, even if uh, his his ethics or his agenda is highly questionable. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens uh, when we do voting next year. I don't know. Um, speaking of uh, people tapped to... Um, for the next letters, how's Simon Bridges' week been? Awful, it's and been he's gone. That's my <laughs> view. Uh, I know Vivian will <laughs> disagree with me, but absolutely, he's gone. Uh, yes, uh, I think if he, if his caucus had the perspective that okay, we can ride it out to the election, we might might not beat Labour after the next election, but we're going to hold our ground. Then and then we'll change leader after that to someone like Judith Collins. That would have been fine for Simon Bridges, but now National are dropping in the polls. Mm. Doesn't matter how low Simon Bridges is, he he could be on zero point five percent. But as long as National was actually above Labour in the polls, yeah. that was fine. Yeah. Now a whole lot of MPs are risking losing uh, their place in Parliament, and when politicians risk losing their place in Parliament, that's when they get nervous, and that's when uh, yes, all uh, normal politics are thrown out the door. And so I think Simon Bridges is absolutely gone, because now Labour is the most popular party, so that whole narrative that National had, well, Labour might be uh, running the government, but we're actually the most mm. popular party with the most MPs. They still have the most MPs of any political party, but if an election was held today, there'd be a whole lot of MPs out of a job, yeah. and the MPs don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, on current polling, about three MPs would be out of a job, um, but it's. I think Simon is definitely still the best man for the job currently. As it stands, there's no one, I guess, in the party who's got that ability to take over the leadership now and um, sort of looking at the polling, look, if we were polling at 35%, maybe I'll be saying something else but as long as National's still polling like well into the like early to mid 40s, I don't see there's any major issue and by holding that ground, I mean if Simon's polling personally, it's, you know, he's polling like 7% Judith is at 6%, I mean yeah. that just shows we've got a really strong front bench that people really do like um, what if they drop below 40? If they drop below 40, I'd say, I guess that, that watermark is, I guess, that 35%. That's sort of always been the, if you drop below that, then you're getting into the 2002 uh, Bill English sort of territory, which is what no one wants to ever yeah. revisit. Um, but I guess right now, Simon's the best, definitely the best person for the job. I think overall, he's actually doing a lot better with the people he needs to do well with. So I guess a lot of people in the opposition, like a lot of people with the National do like him, and the yep. National base really do quite like him. Okay, but we've got the issue of other people from like across the sort of on the other side of the um, house sort of going, oh, but he's not the best man for the job. But internally within the party, within our voter base, I think they all agree that he's probably the best man for the job. How much of a disconnect is there between the public perception and uh, I guess the uh, the machinations behind the scenes? Because it looks like Judith Collins is dusting off uh, her laurels and it, it seems like she's sharpening yeah. her teeth. Um, but also like you say, there's, uh, there's a lot of power in yeah. that front bench uh, for National. So Exactly, yeah. Is it 
Is it as uh, discordant as it seems, or has Simon no. just had a rubbish week? I think Simon's just had a bit of a rough week with the um, was it a junior staffer issue. I think they got sort of brought up and ended up not being a junior staffer, but a person who had worked there for six years. And I think that was just a, a classic miscommunication where someone said, oh, look, I think it might have been just a junior staffer. Then he went out and said on the record. Um, is it not is, just good yeah. spin to... Blame it on blame it on the new guy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that would have probably been the, the initial issue. Yeah. And he sort of yeah, he didn't didn't really handle it well afterwards, I think. He didn't really the aftercare of the, the whole matter was um dealt with um probably not the best. But mm. um yeah, I think overall as a leader, Simon Bridges, he's probably the one of the few people on the front bench who could go to say a meeting in Winton and get on really well with the people, as well as going to somewhere in far Northland or the west coast. Um, and having a leader like that is quite unique. Yeah, um, and that in to, itself is a is a skill. Yeah, and yeah. I mean your Mark Mitchells or your like Judith Collins, it's not something you just pick up overnight and go, hey, look, great to be here in town now because like the people mm. down there might not like you. You need to be one of those people who can just get on with with the locals from wherever you are. Right, but you also need to be able to actually challenge this current government and project a a, a, a contrasting image to this current government and I, I don't think Simon Bridges is seen as someone with strong ideals or a strong belief system he's very much although he came into politics from the right uh, he, he's very much seen as a John Key type figure uh, that's, that's wishy-washy and very um, flexible when it comes mm. to politics. With Judith Collins I think is someone seen, rightly or wrongly, someone with stronger convictions who will actually push forward an alternative political agenda and I remember reading this article when Jeremy Corbyn became leader of the Labour Party in, um, in Britain who seemed as quite on the left if not far left and mm. Judith Collins wrote this really interesting piece saying that she really in a sense admired Jeremy Corbyn because we had we had years and years if not decades after decades of politics of wishy-washy centrist uh, politicians which you couldn't tell the difference between Labour and Conservatives and, and Britain or Labour and National here and she's saying well maybe it's a good thing as we, if we actually move towards a politics of conviction and, and ideology and so I think she she'll be the perfect um, leader to actually challenge Jacinda Ardern. Looking at that that gap between her rhetoric, her politics of love, her politics of compassion, yeah. and, and what's actually being delivered on the ground. We, we've still got a housing crisis, we've yep. still got a significant inequality, we've still got child, child poverty. Child poverty's gone up. Child uh, poverty, yeah. Uh, we, haven't got, we haven't got clean rivers. The yep. government's not proposing any stringent regulations on farmers to actually bring about clean rivers. Jacinda Ardern said that she was going to, um, that climate change was our, our nuclear issue yeah. of, of the millennium, uh, what Labour actually brought in in terms of uh, moving towards a carbon, carbon neutral um, uh, economy is often the distant future. Mm. Uh, so I think these are all issues that, just, um, that Judith Collins could go hard at Labour and say, okay, it's fine to be a government of love and compassion yeah. uh, and, and caring. But, uh, but we actually on the ground, people are hurting. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think Simon Bridge is doing that. He seems to get go from one crisis to another with this staffing issue, mm. uh, with this um, petition that was taken off the National Party website, which was a petition opposing an immigration regulation from the, the migration UN. Pact, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was embarrassing after yeah. it, after the terrorist attack, um, and with um, also with the culture within the National Party. So there's meant to be a uh, a broad investigation into the culture uh, within the National Party, whereas he's he's refusing to release any details over it. So it's got to do with you know accusations um, of, of 
um, say, um, sexual abuse or mm. etc. Uh, and apparently, no woman MP, every woman MP that's been asked by the media whether they were interviewed, weren't interviewed as part of this. Yeah, I think well, that whole investigation is a whole other kettle of fish. I mean, it's um, hasn't been completed yet. Yeah. I think it's the biggest issue, and I don't think anyone's going to say anything about it until it mm. has been. Every MP's said, "Oh, we didn't get spoken to," because they try not to like put up a front that oh only these people got spoken to so currently it's this, the caucus was spoken to which you can take any way you want <laughs> um, well, but, if, but if an MP actually a woman MP actually says to the media I uh, he, here's a commission on what could be a toxic culture or maybe not within national I was not spoken to yeah. then that that's, that's really a very negative sign and I'm sure that MP any woman MP who says that would know that the media is going to take up well, that I wouldn't, up I wouldn't think anyone would say that because <laughs> I think everyone's been spoken to but you know that's a perspective from inside the party. But I guess what I'm saying is that uh, uh, there's lots of things to tap the government over. Mm. But what what focus Simon Bridges is getting is crises within his own party. That that shouldn't be uh, a focus at all. It should be what is National saying it's going to deliver as an alternative to Labour? How is National critiquing this Labour-led regime rather than what's going on in terms of the internal culture within National? What's going on with this uh, petition being deleted and then Simon Bridges blaming someone who didn't exist, etc.? It, sort of, it seems like um, the government in particular is sort of focusing on National's internal politics and so a lot of the general public focusing mm. on National's internal politics. You've and actually got a, a, nas- want, a national yeah. campaign machine really driving, you know, hammering the capital gains tax, hammering the housing crisis, hammering mm. child poverty, and it's just throwing throwing as much weight behind that as possible. And it's not really sticking because it's not, you know, it's not a sexy story. Yeah. Um, anywhere near as much as, say, some sort of internal politics. And you won't see National going out and talking about it to the media, but you'll see the media talking about it and trying to get a comment out of National. National, I think, as a party and under Simon's, definitely still focusing on hammering this government where they need to be hammered and just leaving any internal politics to just be, you know, conspiracy theories about the media or an opinion piece by someone in the media as opposed to sort of any real, like, cold hard facts that get sort of uh, put out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I guess it'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully Simon can pick up and... Um, like uh, you say, John, start talking about what uh, they're going to do um, to change the lives for New Zealanders. Um, thank you very much for your time this morning, team. Uh, Vivian you. and John. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.